Hey everybody, good morning, happy Wednesday, it's February 7th, it's our second day in the new regime of being the Outlier Health Podcast, got the, got yesterday's episode up right on time, well I mean, it took about three hours after the show to fool around a little bit, then put the episode up, uh, but I didn't forget, got it up the same day, that's a win, hope people have enjoyed that, uh, reminder, if you're still on the plant-based morning show podcast feed, if that's where you're listening, you're going you're gonna to be out of luck soon, next week you'll have no shows. If you don't get over to the Outlier Health Podcast, get over there, sign up for that one. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Doug, how, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Matt. And I and I just want to say I don't I think it'd be mighty boring to uh, to be listening to the old Plant Based Morning Show episodes over and over again on that feed. So you definitely should go over to the Outlier Health feed. Yeah, subscribe. Yeah, these are not you're not doing timeless content here. This is content that fires <laughs> within three or four days after we do it. You <laughs> Maybe within like 20 minutes, <laughs> if we're being honest. Uh, but no, this is this is good. Very exciting. Um, yeah, I'm doing well. Not not a lot happened last night, to be honest. I played a little chess with a friend and had a beer, Tuesday beer. Okay, good. Sounds, sounds pretty boring, but that's good. Like that. Like a nice little boring day. Uh, Doug, I saw Tony P in DC has taken down his Christmas tree. <laughs> that's uh, I just when I called it out yesterday, he still had it. He decided mm-hmm. to take it down, so that's going did on. Did he do a whole thing on taking it down yeah. in February? Yeah, he did a whole thing. And one of the <laughs> comments was like, "Thank this, thank you, because this uh, this mundane task of taking down a tree was just was just just needed to have a one minute long reel made about <laughs> about it." So, uh, I'm I'm just love those comments more and more. Actually, yesterday you texted me some some screenshots of the comments. <laughs> After so the I show, think, I got intrigued. We're part of the community. Looking at all the comments, and man, I mean, it's great. It's, <laughs> what is it? What's the, what's the community called? Isn't there some kind the of name? Beehive. Oh, yeah, the Beehive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I saw that, and then I also saw I popped in the Discord this morning um, when I forgot that Sid was coming on. I was looking for some show planning ideas. Uh, so I popped in there, saw that uh, Just Egg is back in a couple stores. Did you see that with a rebranded carton? Uh, we covered that. We talked about that. Did we? I must have been not paying attention. When? Yeah. When was that? Yesterday? <laughs> uh, no, it's last week sometime. Yeah, they uh, got rid of the plastic that. jugs, and now it's a carton, which is nice. It's good. Okay, good. I don't know how I missed that. Totally. I guess I'm just I just zone out when we talk about just egg because I don't I don't need it. I think I think I think Mr. Jeffrey brought it up, and then we had a little discussion. Okay. Okay. Good. All right. Good. Uh, well, we haven't yet said other than when I just mentioned it that Sid. Garza Hillman, our friend, longtime friend, really. One, I mean, one of the best friends we've had in, in the space, the longest term, uh, just good, all-around good guy. He's going to be joining us for a few minutes, uh, actually in just a few minutes, as soon as we finish up with this little banter section. <laughs> uh, and we'll talk about his new book, which is pretty exciting. We don't usually have guests on this show. Uh, don't even want to. But but Sid is a great uh, great person to make an exception for. He's, he we want on because he's fun. the person to make an exception for. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, good morning to Britters Carmen Stephen Dunn, who sent uh, a nice article about the Amsterdam University people organizing, unionizing, you might say, uh, to to say plant based food in universities. That should be what's happening. Um, but I don't have that in in the weather report today. Mr. Jeffrey here, Larry Libby. I don't know the name of Larry Libby, but uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to the live, Larry Libby, for the first time. And um, there's a bunch of people, but not. Not that many more people. Kind of a small crowd there. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else, Doug, before we bring on Sid to talk about Ultra Running for Normal People, which uh, the title of the book that he has put out yesterday is Ultra Running is for Normal People. 
Very similar to the title of the show. <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think I'm. I think I'm good to go. All right, I'm pressing the button to bring in Sid. Make it happen. Hey, Sid. Just How's like it going? That. Nice, to, nice to see you. Nice to see. Is the title of the show "Ultra Running Is for Normal"? That was the original title of my book, by the way. Oh, I thought that I have, that's, I'm looking at that, and it says "Ultra Running Is for Normal People." Yeah, it, the- yeah, and it got changed. The publisher suggested just to make it "Ultra Running for Normal People," and I was like, ah. And then it kind of grew on me, and I was like, okay. So I went for it. So the actual title of the book is "Ultra Running for Normal People." Ah, Life okay. Lessons. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so so yes, I put that in the title of the YouTube show. Ultra running yeah, cool. dot, dot, but, dot, for normal. But people. thank you so much for having me on, you guys. It's been it's been a a, a few to- a few. It's been a years, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad to see you haven't. Uh, you haven't. You know, grown back any hair or anything like that. No, so I have. I have. Oh, you I have. have. Okay. Yeah. And then the stress of the book it went away. Again. Oh, oh. Okay. I was like, no, no. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, good. All right. So the book's called Ultra Running uh, for Normal People, and I mean, people who know you know. I think of your work because we talked about it a lot in the Nomad Athlete years for sure. Um, particularly. Um, what's the name of the, what's the name of the first book? The one that I love approaching so much. Approaching the natural. Yes, approaching the natural. Uh, little handbook for being healthy that I love. Gave out many many copies to Nomad Athlete readers. Doug's got it right there. A health manifesto. Forward by uh, Biz Stone, I believe, co-founder yeah. of Twitter. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it's a really good book. It just has it just has good ideas. It's not it's not about optimizing, which I, I do not like optimizing. It's just about kind of being being normal and doing a good job eating. And uh, great book. So this ultra running book you have is, you know, very much the same tone applied to running, uh, in my opinion. I read through the, the you know, 10 or whatever steps or tips there are in there. Uh, and it's, it's I mean, I, I thought they were perfect. It was, it sounds like me running with like how you said when you lined up for your first 50 miler, uh, you were like, what, what am I doing here? Like, this is the last place I want to be at 3 a.m. or whatever time it was. Um, I remember that feeling very much like there's so many things I'd rather be doing than having to run 50 miles right now. Why did I do this? Uh, Which I think is a normal person's attitude. I think that's not like, it's not Doug's attitude. Doug Lay loves it going there. Uh, But uh, I don't know. I just think it just, there's a lot of, and like you have to pay attention to everything. And many, many things you said that like either I've noticed or hadn't noticed. And I was like, wow, that's really true. So anyway, I love what you've done with the book. Um, Yeah. Let's talk about it. Doug, ask a more pointed question, please. Okay. All right. So ultra running for normal people is not a, uh, it's not like a training guide in the sense that like, there's no training plan in there. There's no like uh, meal plan, you know, what to eat at this time and how much to eat and that kind of thing. It's much more like kind of this broader understanding of, of how to work your way through ultra marathon training and ultra marathon itself. Like, why did you go that route instead of, uh, instead of adding the training plan and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, there is definitely, you know, practical boots on the ground stuff. And each chapter, as Matt said, not so much tips, but, you know, lessons I've learned as a trail runner and directing the race that I direct and, and talking to all the people that do my race. And and I side note, I don't know if I, I probably have thanked you, Matt and Doug, a thousand times, but you, you know, you're when you 
I blindly emailed you years ago with approaching the natural because I had a, I was on Rich Roll's podcast and he goes, so how's the promotion going? I said, I don't know. The publisher's probably, and he's like, no, the publisher's doing nothing. Like you have to get out there. And I emailed Matt and you wrote back and it was a real reason, a huge reason why that book did as well as it did, but also that put me out into the world. So if I haven't thanked you formally, I do thank you because that was a huge thing. And just being supportive of my work over the years, I really appreciate it. Anyways, so ultra running for normal people is, you know, the race I direct, for instance, it's not a marquee race. It's not a pros, you know, qualify for this. It's a, you should see this, the swath of people that show up. I mean, every kind of different person you can imagine from ages 70, 17 to 70s. Every year I get somebody over 70, at least one to five, including this coming year. And seeing that happen and the nature of that thing, and then my entry as a totally not elite runner, um, and what it's done for me, I, I just thought I got to, I want to introduce this as a, almost a broader commentary on the sort of tech direction of the world and seeing, and seeing trail ultra running as a way to maybe a little bit of a course correction on that. And to argue that it's more accessible to more people than people assume it is. And that's been that, you know, that was the hard thing, but there's at the end, there's, you know, nutrition, you know, boots on the ground training. I just didn't want to chart because part of one of the lessons is versatility and adaptability. What I learned as a, with a history of militancy with regard to tr training charts, um, it doesn't have to be that. If you're not trying to win the race, it doesn't have to be militant. It doesn't have to be, I have to run this thing because on Thursday it says it. And I really wanted to get people off that kind of mindset. It's a, it, the book in many ways is a mindset shift. So that was my goal. Love it. Very good. Um, Mr. Jeffrey wants to know, is Matt going to stop promoting this book if he finds out there's rebounding in it? Say there's not rebounding in this, is there? There's no rebounding in ultra running. Wow, that's a deep cut. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they know our relationship. <laughs> I'm still a fan of rebounding, so I just don't, I don't know what, we need to reconcile this problem. Anyway, it's, it's I'm still a fan. You should, see my, you, should, you should see my rebounder, it's missing legs, so I have to put books under that one side so it doesn't tip over <laughs> while I'm doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm staying tough. I'm still, you, but do you still get do you still get the benefit of it's not actually touching the ground there the the legs are broken I'm no yeah the leg it's all flat and so i just it's just jumping on the ground no just it's one of the legs and so it's a not he's a hard right. rebounder he's like he's so into rebounding he doesn't even use the bounce anymore he just jumps <laughs> <laughs> all right all right but uh okay sid go back to the book very quickly what why should a normal person run an ultra marathon um i you know i think that the experience so I was doing it. I did a thing last night in at a bookstore. I'm in Colorado right now. The luxury inn and suites. By the way, the luxury luxury should be in quotes because this this is not a the whole the whole. It's like this much below Motel Six. Anyways, so I was in Edwards, Colorado last night. This great bookstore and and um, and had a really good event. And that was one of the questions was. So part of it is the trail aspect of it. It's getting out on trails. It's that kind of I feel like an animal. I, by the way, Doug Hay for those listening is the is the most joyous trail runner I've ever seen to this day. Like you, when you, you, you like, you're like a kid in a candy shop. And that's, I think what, what uh, captures that kind of playful animal experience on the trails. And definitely for me too. And that's why I, I disconnect on trails. I don't even run with a watch anymore. And I put my, my last race, uh, which was a, a rough day, which was last October. Um, I was out for 10 hours and 40 minutes. And you're thinking 50 miler? No, no, that was a 50K. Anyways, and so, um, but you know, 10 hours and 40 minutes, a real rough day, but I didn't even know how long I was out there. My phone was in my pocket the entire time. And <clears throat> that kind of disconnect is really, 
I think needed <clears throat> given the direction of the modern world. But the ultra part of it is also as important. And that's going the distance where you feel you're broken down. And I mean that in a good way. I talk about that in a more raw state. And I see a good amount of people cross the finish line of the race I direct in tears. And it's not because of pain. It's because of release and relief and all this anxiety leading up to the race. And many of them, it's their first race and, and the hard work has paid off. And this, it, it, a lot happens when you're pushed into, when you push yourself into that place, it's not raw, raw, and it's not looking at a watch time, but it's, it's moving yourself to a place of, of, you know, where you feel like you want to quit and you're pushing through that, or at least you're trying to find a way out of that. And I think those are, those from profound benefit there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think this is going to inspire a lot of people to want to run. Sid. I think this is, uh, I think you've done a really good thing with this. Uh, is it, are you, you think it's more for, I mean, cause when I read it or when I saw the title, I guess I thought it was going to be a guide to running an ultra marathon, not, not in the sense like Doug was saying with training, I knew it wouldn't be a training plan and all that stuff. I just figured it was for someone who hadn't run one yet. Um, and it so is. I think it will inspire those, but I also think people who have done an ultra or a few might read this and then start to really like it. Uh, kind of in the same way, like I feel like I was a runner and I ran and it, but it wasn't until I read born to run that I started to like, feel like I was a runner and get it and like actually want to go running. Um, I just think there's a lot of really good stuff here that, uh, that just will, will, yeah, I don't know, just make people really like it. Uh, it reminds me of, I had to, I had to Google his name, but, uh, the Japanese guy, I think it's Mora Murakami, uh, just writing thoughts about running. I don't know. It just, I just think it's, uh, I think it's really nice in that way, in, in the same way that approaching that natural was. Um, but I think it's, I think it's really cool. I'm, I'm Thanks. Like, yeah. I, I think that, you know, I talked to a guy recently at this, at the Stanford Inn uh, in the lobby there and he had run my race, but he had uh, years before, but he had just done an ultra and he said, I'm never going to do one again. It was a 50 K and he had a horrible day and he just didn't enjoy it. The whole process was crap and his joints were hurting within five minutes. I was like, you severely overtrained for that race. He goes, you think I go, no, I know. Were you trying to win? He goes, no, I wasn't trying to win. So there's this assumption that because you know, you're doing an ultra marathon and it's this gargantuan thing that you have to really push yourself during training. And it's really not true. Um, people take their time with these things. Obviously there's cutoffs, but he didn't enjoy it because he, you know, he was so key. He's like, I got back and I had to upload to Strava and I was making sure that I was, you know, hitting these benchmarks, all this kind of data gathering thing. And I understand all that. I, I do. But I think there's an argument to be had for people to kind of get back to the more human part of us and, and in that disconnect and not upload to Strava and just experience the things we're experiencing without having to think, okay, now I have to put it out into the world and just being okay with that process. And I think trail running, unlike almost every other sport I could ever think of, um, does that extremely well. And, 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 and it doesn't mean you have to do every race like that, but I think to get out on sometimes to do a race where you're disconnected and you're experiencing human to human interaction, you know, on the, on the trail, that last race I did the Lake Sonoma 55, I was hurting and there were elite athletes running the hundred K the winner, like the people in the lead stopping to check on me. And I think that that's the coolest thing about ultra running. Like I'm going, you're going to win the race. Go do, go do your race. I'm okay. But they're like, Hey, I've got food in my backpack. Do you need anything? And I was like, no, it's okay. That's how bad I must've looked. I goes, it's okay. You know, um, <laughs> it's a cool sport that way. You know, it's still like an under the radar kind of sport in many ways. And I really appreciate it still. I, I think that, I think people don't understand that until they experience it. You know, I, I remember um, my first uh, 50 miler, there was this out and back section towards the end, you know, maybe the last like five or 10 miles. 
and everyone was just congratulating each other and high-fiving each other because we were almost done. And it was like this big like celebration thing with all these people that you were passing and and not this competitive thing, which, you know, I was coming from road half marathons and marathons where I wasn't particularly competitive, but everybody was so focused on their time and their right. splits and, and everything like That's that, right. that you wouldn't take time to like high-five people and congr right. congratulate them, you know? And, uh, and it, it like, it took, experiencing that for me to understand it. And then, and then I had this whole other appreciation, understanding of what trail running and ultra running could be, um, you know, and, and there, are, I mean, I train hard sometimes and I race hard and I try to yeah. be competitive, you know, as, as competitive as I can be, but I also really love the training or love the running and the experience of the community and, uh, and doing races where I'd, I'm not particularly focused on time or anything like that. And, and I think that your book does a really nice job of kind of setting people up, whether it's their first race or later, but, Kind of helping people understand that so that they can make that shift uh, and not not be super hyper focused on uh, on getting everything every single thing out of every single training run, um, you know. And there's there's times and to do that right. And Strava serves a purpose for a lot of people, but uh, sure. but it doesn't have to. Uh, you know, you, you don't have to go that route in the same way that a lot of people do with with road races. And, they, and, they, and I just don't want them to think they have to do that stuff. You know, I quote yeah. Courtney Dolwater in the book, who's you know one of the greatest of all time. Period. Um, and she, you know, she said something like, I'm misquoting her in my book, but it's like, I, I go out the door and I see where my legs are going to take me. Because when I heard her interviewed, she was like, some days I'll, I will barely run. She's very in touch. She doesn't have a coach. She doesn't have a training plan. She goes out. And if it's a good day, if she's feeling good, she'll run longer or run harder. And on another day, she might go a super light run. And I think there's a mm -hmm. disconnect when we do so much data. And again, I've been there and, and in many ways still fight that, but there's a place where you kind of are disconnected from how you are feeling about the day and it's okay to take a day off. And it's not only okay, it's actually beneficial physiologically to take it off when you're pushing, you know, if you've been pushing yourself too hard or if you yeah. haven't slept well, or if you're super stressed at work. And that's the sort of normal person message of the book is we're living our lives. We're raising kids and, and, and working job, multiple jobs. Sometimes I am. And so to think that you have to go all in on a training plan means you could, you could sacrifice some of the other parts of your life. So you've mentioned your race a couple of times, but, uh, or that you have a race, but I don't think you've actually mentioned what it is. Um, it was one it's of the, the first vegan races, uh, it's, out there. It's, it's, yeah, it's the, it's the, it's the, I think there's only one of two in the country, but I, I might've been the first, I don't know. There's another one called vegan power ultra, but anyways, that was it. But here's the, here's the, that's this one last year. I'm doing different hats, but check out that. I had to bring this to Colorado anyways. Um, yeah, it's the Mendocino coast 50 K and somebody just wrote on the side, Mexican Coke. And I, I do serve, as Doug knows, I serve the Mexican Coke at the race. I'm a, I'm a, I'm yes, a stickler for the Mexican Coke at the race. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, Mendocino Coast 50K, one of only two vegan ultras in the, in the country. All incredible. One of my, one of my favorite races of all time, but for the scenery and the atmosphere and the finish line, uh, Mr. Jeffrey over here says that my wife, go back to the crying, my wife cried when we finished the Mendocino Coast uh, 50K this year. And then about 20 minutes later, picked up our Mexican Coke. And then he says he cried at the beginning because he was so excited. So there you go. Yeah. Tears yeah, are coming. What's that? This past year, Mr. Jeffrey did that. I, I forgot he did that. I, I yeah, he ran it last oh, you, didn't, you didn't also do it this year, did you? No, you I didn't. didn't. I haven't had a Mr. Jeffrey meetup. No, you have not done it since uh, pre-COVID, I believe. Yeah, I think that's right. I was supposed to come and in Matt, 2020 and then got canceled. And Matt, you have, a, you, have a, you have an entry waiting for you whenever you want it. Mm, yeah, I'd, I'd love to come out there and like support people. I'm not, I don't run anymore. I'm a non runner. 
Oh, you're not right. Okay, well, then you could you could volunteer. You could volunteer at an aid station while Doug runs it. Yeah, yeah you can you can yeah. Katie and Katie I, came I, out I the second that. time and uh and volunteered yeah. at the aid station. And that was when uh that was when she was pregnant, but no one knew it except for us. Uh and you were one of the first people to know, said maybe the first person to know because her aid station I, was being swarmed by mosquitoes, and it was right during the uh uh oh man, what was the mosquito um disease thing that happened? Zika. Oh, I don't know. Zika. Yeah, it was during the Zika. Oh, yeah. scare. I, know all, I know all the and diseases. She was like, mosquitoes are everywhere, and you know, everyone was talking about Zika, and, and she, so she was like, "I got to get out of here. Yeah. I can't volunteer in this place." If there's an yeah, infectious disease scare, I'm the I'm your guy. I I know all <laughs> yeah. about it. I have a detailed logbook of them. <laughs> yeah, it have, we haven't had a mosquito problem since then. I swear to God, it's I have like the nets. <laughs> everybody, they've never had to use them, so knock on wood. But yeah, oh, yeah. we'll see what happens in April. Steven says I could be a pacer, and that's what I could be. I'd be a good pacer. There I wouldn't go. mind running, you know, three or four miles. That'd be, be good. a terrible pacer, Matt. You, <laughs> <laughs> you just make me feel terrible. Like if you were, if you were my pacer, maybe you'd be good for someone else. But <laughs> yeah, like, you, I just like try to insult the whole time. Try to put down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did I love the? Uh, I love the lesson that is about aid station to aid station. That uh, mm. that is what that's what my ultra running was and. Really, I mean, it's the only th only way I finished any races was was doing that technique and lying to myself, somehow believing that all I had to do was get to the next station. I knew I wasn't going to quit there, but like you just play this game, and somehow you, can, if you if you're successful at it, you get yourself to believe that you're you're going to stop when you get to the next thing. So you just have to get there, and then all is well. Uh, and then then you decide after a minute that you're going to keep going to the next one, and that's how it works. So I, I love that one. Um, what's the, what's your favorite lesson in the whole book? What's what's the number one lesson? Number one, so tip. probably the the first two. Uh, yeah, exactly. The first two. One is the first lesson is to move through fear, and I think that's mm -hmm. the most important in terms of the coaching that I'm not running. You know, my small steps coaching. That how much fear plays a role in our. There's so much unknown in the modern world, and then of course the way that news and social media is fashioned is to kind of you know the negative stuff and lots of scary things. And I think even trying an ultra marathon is terrifying. So this this idea of learning to coexist with it, not to expend so much energy to try to make it go away, to, but to understand it's there, it's part of us. It's a survival instinct that we have in us. And sometimes we're afraid of something that isn't actually, well, actually most times we're afraid of something that isn't actually life-threatening and to learn to coexist with that. And I have to say the equal lesson uh, is the second one, which is to slow down. Because for me, when I trained for my first ultra, the coach I hired, Matt Flaherty, a pro guy, I just had him for a couple months just to kind of get me set because I was so terrified again. And he said, slow down. And so I started, that was when I started really running at like three or four minutes slower than I'd ever run. And just the mental slowing down of that, but also enjoying running in a way that I had never enjoyed, not pushing. So going so slow that I was thinking about things and being present and paying attention and ideas for songs and podcasts and videos would come in my brain and this kind of solitude, quiet place uh, emerged. And so I love those two those two lessons, I put them first in the book for a reason. They're all good lessons. They're all things I've actually learned and applied. Like the aid station thing I applied in my life. It's how I wrote the book. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, I just have to get through the next two pages. You know, like it, it's, oh, I don't know what it is. I think we're overwhelmed with a lot of stuff that we're dealing with. And I think to break things down like that is, <clears throat> is super effective. <clears throat> but the aid station thing in my last ultra was actually for real. I actually, after the first, second aid station thought I was going to quit and, and, and I, was planning i was in such a bad place i was like okay i think i'll just get to the next one and i will drop and it, mm -hmm. so it was actually wasn't a game at that point i was in such a 
I showed up with a bottle of water. That's kind of a thing I do and nothing else. I used to pack a bunch of stuff, but the ends, but I didn't know a plan ahead. So the first aid station was only water. And so I didn't have anything else until the second aid station over 13 miles in. And I was dying by that time. And so I sort of gotten past, it was bad planning on my part anyway. So I thought, well, I drank some Coke and had some oranges and thought I'll probably drop at the next aid station. So it really was that for me that day was actually going, I was actually planning on dropping at some point I was in that much pain, but for some, like Matt said, you just kind of, I got through it. And so these are, these are real lessons. There's no joke, no, no, no doubt about it. Yeah. It's funny how ultra running like so much more than road running. I don't know why. Cause I, I, I liked road running a lot. Uh, I, I shouldn't say ultra running versus road running trail running and ultra running versus road mm -hmm. marathoning. Uh, yeah. It just offers so many, so much more than the, the ultra running trails uh, of these kind of life lessons and meditative things and metaphors. I don't, I don't really know why. I mean, I guess just cause it's further, but uh, it's Thanks just a different, like you said, you slow down so much. There's this whole thing about not falling. So you got to pay attention to everything. You're in the woods. Um, it just, it just becomes this, this very different exercise than, than running forward, you know, same step every time, just, just keep moving fast as you can. Um, so I, I don't know. I, th I think that's, you really have captured that really well here. Yeah, that is the that is something there is something about it that is unlike anything else. And it's not a good or bad. It's just for me, it's a good because it just attached me to this. I loved it more than I've ever loved any road race I've ever done. I haven't done many, uh, but it didn't take in a way that trail running did for me. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, uh, the book again is Ultra Running for Normal People. I saw Doug put a link to Penguin. So the publisher's not Penguin Random House, but it's a subsidiary of them, I guess. Uh, the publisher's Blue Star Press, and they're distributed by Penguin Random House. So that's the that's why you see that. But you can go to my website. And there's a there's a I have a book trailer video, and anyways, like you can whatever SidGarzaHelmet.com is where you can get. It. But it's everywhere. It's on in bookstores. It's also on Amazon, right? You can go to Amazon, get it. Oh yeah, if it's a, it's a, yeah. Penguin Random House did a great job. They're getting it out. The publisher Blue Star was f better than I could ever expect. And my third publisher, my second, the publisher of my third book opted to, at the end of the day not to do the book so i was kind of panicking and i just sent proposals out and blue the owner of blue star this girl brenna is an ultra runner so she said I, I definitely want to read it and they and we did a deal and so they've been a phenomenal i mean i could not be happier with the publisher they hmm. did a great job oh good cool. that's great a lot of people complain about their publishers so that is always no i, I know and i have but thing. not them They're, they've just killed it killed it yeah very cool good all right and you got a Matthew blurb too Matt, Matt, and, Doug, and Doug Hay, Doug Hay blurbed it. Ooh, that's even Matt harder. Gerald, yeah. even more coveted. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know who, who, who was, was the Hillary first Paul? one you mentioned, Matt? What? Who was the first one you mentioned? Matt Fitzgerald. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you know who Hillary Allen is? No, the name sounds familiar. She's but a pro. She's a pro ultra. She blurred, but anyways, I've got. A, I'm meeting her tonight. She's she's one of the. She had a book on the same publisher, in which she's she's gonna introduce me at the event tonight in Denver. If any of your people are in Denver, I'll be at Den. I'll yeah. be at the Runners Roost in Denver tonight at six. -ish. Tonight, that's uh, Wednesday, February seventh. February seventh. Yeah. I cool. think I did a Runners Roost thing in Denver, Sid. I bet uh, you did. I'm googling. A no meat athlete running group. I don't think I did actually. I did Denver Run House, which is now defunct. Oh. Okay. Because they cause and effect. Because of me. Yeah. Maybe because of their choices. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Uh, all right. Well, uh, all right. Brit Britters, we'll wrap this the part of the show up with uh, Britters. Uh, some great wisdom. I needed to kickstart the 2024 season. Thanks to just bought the book. And thank so, you. you oh, go. thanks. And thank you both to you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. You want to stick around for the weather report? Totally. And all then, right. And let's then let's do some weather. Let's get to it. I even got the music today. Queued up and ready all to right. go. Here we go. Weather report. Good news for pizza lovers, says Veg News last week, but I found it this week. Uh, both Trader Joe's and Tofurky are getting plant-based pepperoni. The Tofurky one is not that exciting because it's only going to be in Topps Markets in the Northeast and hy in the Midwest. But Trader Joe's uh, apparently is headed to stores this week. Uh, no word on what it's made of or anything, but I'll be pretty excited about that because, as you know, Doug, you like to say that I eat that pizza once a week that is bad for me. Um this is going to be a welcome addition to that pizza. Oh, addition on top of the other toppings. Not not no. just a plain old pepperoni pizza. No, this uh, that will be the only topping I put on there. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so, do you like multiple toppings on pizza or just one? I do. One no, I'm a, multiple, I'm a multiple oh. guy. What's your, what's your, if you're making a pizza, Sid, what are you throwing on there? Uh, black olives, jalapenos, mushrooms, red bell pepper, and onion. Hmm. Sounds great. Yeah. I'm a yeah. big fan of the jalapeno on pizza. That's new to me. In the Sometimes pineapple. Pineapple. Ooh. pineapple jalapeno. Little, I love the pineapple on pizza. Sweet and yeah. hot. Sure. I used to like pineapple on pizza, but not anymore. I'm over that. <laughs> then, you, then you graduated high school. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, all right. This one was shared in our Discord, but luckily I already had it yesterday. Uh, the Fatwa Committee of the Islamic Religious Council of Singapore, abbreviated MUIS, I don't know what why, but it is. Uh, they have decided the cultivated meat is can be considered halal under specific conditions. Mm. We are, this may sound familiar because we already talked about the Sharia scholars last September in Saudi Arabia. Uh, they already set some requirements. In this, this case, uh, which is the same thing, the cell lines have to be from uh, from animal species that Muslims are allowed to eat. The cell culture medium cannot contain any non-halal ingredients and appropriate food safety regulatory agency has to approve the finished product. Uh, I Googled halal philosophy just to see what it was. Like, I, I just didn't understand how, how could this possibly fit with like a, I don't know, religious philosophy. It just, it just seems so off from that. Um, apparently, uh, it's, it has to do with suffering and halal food must be prepared with minimal suffering to the animal. So the, the, the cultivated meat definitely checks that box. Uh, and the pronouncement of God's name during the slaughter as the animals being sacrificed to him. But no mention of having to uh, having to pronounce God's name as they're like doing whatever, cultivating the meat. So I don't I don't know about that. But uh, anyway, there you go. That's that's uh, that's good. Doug, you excited about that? Sure. Yeah, I think it's good. <laughs> right? I mean, uh, you know, I. Like you, I don't, I don't know much about uh, the hal halal requirements, but I am excited about supporting cultivated meat. Uh, Sid, what's your take on cultivated meat? Doesn't like I say whatever lab-grown uh, lab meat? You know, it's not. Yeah, it's not going to be obviously healthy, but it, but, but if it saves, if it's better for the environment and better for the animals, I'm all for it. I don't care what what people do. Would you try it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. You won't be a vegan then. Is that true? Because I mean, it's it's the that's that's the big debate. That's I think because debate. it's over okay. the cell, I think it's not vegan. But I'm I'm still on. I'm not that. I'm, I'm yeah. I don't. You know. That. I don't go for a lot of that stuff. But I I have a feeling that um, I mean, like car tires have you know, there's stuff that we do that has animal products in it. So 
I'm sort of like on that line of like, okay, they start with that cell, but then eventually if it, if then it's done and then people are getting off actual meat, it's. Eh. Yeah. That's how I feel. I'm with you. Uh, but I do worry about the health concerns. I'm, I'm just not sure about that just yet. Anyway, uh, moving on, Doug, this will be sad news to you. Uh, Pret a manger. Is that how you say it? Is that right? I, I, don't know. I, don't know. I just call it Pret. <laughs> okay. Uh, they have set, they're set to ax their last three vegetarian only stores <clears throat> and convert them into normal outlets during a slump or due to the slump in demand for meat free sandwiches. This is from uh, no surprise. Uh, what's that? What's that terrible newspaper? Oh, daily mail. Uh, they're the ones who said this. So, um, that's not good at the peak. There were 10 of these across mm. the UK, 10 of these only vegan vegetarian ones. Um, so they are ready to be done. That experiment is ending. However, Catherine Bagshaw says uh, says that every pret shop is a veggie pret shop with new vegetarian and vegan-friendly products coming under the menu all the time, and still one in three of their main meal sales are veggie or vegan-friendly. So, you know, not going away entirely. See, I, this goes back to the conversations we've been having all week, really, or the last couple of weeks about uh, fully vegan <laughs> spots versus places that have both. Right. And you know, there's a lot of people who wouldn't go to into go into a vegan pret, right? If everything is vegan, but they might right. go into a regular pret and uh, you know, see a vegetarian or vegan sandwich and think that that sounds pretty good, along with their creamy soup or whatever like that. And so they're choosing the more more plant based option anyway. Or they yeah. might go with somebody. They might go with someone who's vegan and try yeah. what they're yeah. having and go, "Hey, that's pretty good." You know. So, yeah. Yeah. Right but it appears that that uh, convergence is happening. The vegan restaurant is going away. That's my that's my proclamation. There will be none left by the end of 2024. I should add that to my uh, predictions at the beginning of the year. <laughs> that's, that's definitely not true. <laughs> uh, here we go. As Steven says, shame. Pret is also suffered from less people are going out of the office now. Out, going out to the office now, right? Because mm. they're usually in office. Uh, right, right. Like I've never ever seen a pret still ever in my life. Oh, really? Yeah, this just seems like a fake thing to me. Uh, Jessica Goodenough said, who I haven't seen in a while on here. Welcome, Jessica, back to the show. Says, I've been saying for a while that I'll get a cat when cultivated cat food goes mainstream. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's going to go mainstream, but I think it'll be available really soon. I think that's I think it's going to, I think in 10 years, it's going to be the only way to get cat food. That's my prediction. Oh, okay. Like that's a safe prediction because we won't be around in 10 years to uh, anyone to know <laughs> if that's true or not. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> the show won't be around. We'll, we'll hopefully be we'll around. Hope, yeah, hopefully we need to be still. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and the last one, I think it's the last one. Yeah, last one. Um, a new study published in Nature Communications has found that uh, it's not just whole plant foods, the ones that we like and wish would come back. It's not just those that are better for the environment than meat and dairy. Uh, even the processed vegan foods are better, says this new study. Uh, they found that plant-based alternatives like vegan burgers and oat milk are significantly better for the environment than a diet of meat, fish, and dairy. And even these plant-based alternatives uh, can reduce greenhouse gas emissions by up to 52% and land wow. use by up to 45%. So wow. to the people saying uh, that this, these plant-based processed foods are no good for the environment, we say we now have this study on our side. And they would say, well, that's a biased study. It doesn't count because it's done by people who, who wanted that to happen. So the discussion will continue. Did you did you look at the study? Who, who is doing it? No, I didn't look at it. You can't. 
I mean, you, you can't tell who's 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 biased in what direction anymore. So, mm. no reason to even even dig. <laughs> That's defeatist. You can see who funded it sometimes, but then there's fake names and things like that. It's a little hard to get down below the surface on who's actually where the money's coming from. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay, good. So um, let's see. That's not too much. A little bit more Pret here. Stephen says every street corner in London. That possible. Seems like it seems a little far fetched to me, but maybe. Are they the Starbucks of London? Maybe. I don't know. Or the Tim Hortons of London? If you're Canadian, Ooh, if you're Mr. Jeffrey. Nice I love mm -hmm. Tim Hortons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Jessica Goodenough says they have an amazing avocado and tapenade sandwich. Yeah, I don't. I don't doubt that. Although. I'm not a big fan of mixing uh, soft things like that either. That's another thing that I, I don't like when people like mix guacamole with olive tapenade. It's just, I don't know, just too much. I know, I know things about this, how, this, how long we've all known each other. I also know that Matt just cannot stand the idea of putting everything in one bowl. That just pisses him off. Oh, yeah. Like a salad <laughs> with the, he just, it just, That's right. rebounding and everything in one bowl are the two things that Matt was just the most <laughs> angry about in his life. See, great. That's not bad. Even back in the day, I didn't like when Sid did a bowl of things. He hated what was it. That I just, a bowl? I'd put all one bowl. He'd be like, because <laughs> you'd have a salad and then you would put your meal on top of the salad, right? Right on it. Right. I still do. <laughs> so the Pasta, right on the salad. Everything. Just the whole, yeah, big bowl. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know no who problem. would like that. That sounds Sometimes bizarre. I do that while I'm rebounding. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, Are you plugged into the grounding sheets while you do that too? <laughs> yeah, I'm all three things. It's like <laughs> I glow when I'm doing that. Good. <laughs> All right. Uh, Carmen here says uh, Tim Hortons would definitely not have an avocado tapenade sandwich. That's a bit too high class for Timmy's. I think she was talking about uh, Pret with the, that had the sandwich. I don't really know. I don't, I'm not sure if I ever went to Tim Hortons or not. I always saw them when I was in Canada a couple of times, but I don't, I don't know if I ever went to one. So I, I would assume they would have an avocado tapenade sandwich, but guess not. Is the coffee any good at Tim Hortons? I think of it more yeah. of a Dunkin' Donuts, not, but I, I've never been there. It's not great. When I was a touring musician, we were we were playing shows in Canada. We went to Tim Hortons, and I used to love it. I've since had Tim Hortons coffee, and it was it doesn't really stack up. It, but you know, maybe it was, maybe <laughs> well, it was an off. Day. People, people should know that in in the book, uh, Ultra Running for Normal People, Sid talks about hotel coffee, but he puts the coffee in quotes because he can't really. <laughs> I can't really call that. I made, I made one this morning with my AeroPress. I bring in everything, including my own roasted coffee, to when I travel. Okay. All right. Does that does that mean that you no longer qualify as a normal person if you're carrying a... <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot about me that's not normal. Just I'm a normal ultra runner, but otherwise very not normal. <laughs> All right. A uh, couple more comments here about food and bowls and things. So we could go on all day. We're not going to. Uh, all right. That's it. We're going to wrap, wrap it up there. Sid, thank you so much for joining us. Everyone, please go check out Sid's book, uh, Ultra Running for Normal People, penguinrandomhouse.com. We would put a link here. Let's pin the link up real quick so people can even see that. Or if you go to if you go to my the website, my website, it's got all the international links too. So whatever you mm. can, whatever you want to do. You can go to Sid okay. Garza Hillman and, and yeah, that's, it might be easier. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Sid you guys, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for having me on. And I hope that we cross paths in, in person soon because it's been way too long. Definitely, so, yeah. Best of luck best with the book. To, Wish you the, thank as you, much best to you and your families. Possibly. All right, great. Yeah. Um, all right, on with that, we will see everyone tomorrow for our last show of the week. There you go. Right. Bye, everybody. All right, goodbye.